Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Grab a beer at Epcot. It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I'm your TV guide, Brett White. I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com. This week, I am joined by a performer at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater here in New York and also a writer, performer, and at uh, The Dad, Matt Fisher. What's up, Matt? <laughs> hey, how's it going? Yeah, that's a that's a, a wordy intro. Isn't I it? really hit that hard. I am at. I am a dad, and I am at the dad. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So, what is? So, can you just like, what is the dad? What's going on? Give a give us an intro. So, the, the dad is like an internet comedy outfit. We do video. I work on the video team, but we also do like memes and posts of all kinds, and it's comedy uh, about uh, dad life, family life, uh, primarily for dads, but uh, also enjoyed by uh, moms and kids and. Uh, <laughs> People who don't define themselves relative to uh, the family unit. Right, yeah. Um, and if you uh, also plug, if you dive back into the YouTube archives, you can also find old videos for a thing called UCB1, where I made Matt do lovely, embarrassing things. I... <laughs> oh, man, we had quite a time at UCB1, didn't Yeah, we? it was a man-on-the-street uh, type fake news organization run through UCB Comedy, and... Uh, my whole gig there was coming up with the most complex and elaborate premises <laughs> that usually involved multiple locations. I mean, the most elaborate one was definitely the I can buy a better gift one. Oh, I love that. Which was we charged into the front of a Target or so we were we accosted oh, yeah. people and yeah. parking lot of that one, didn't we? God, uh, yeah, and we made it pretend like it was Christmas Day. Um <laughs> But it was really like late November or something. But yeah, of Hollywood. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, but now you are here on Must Have Seen TV, and this week we're going to be traveling to two different weeks, February 27th and March 12th, 1996. Uh, Rumble in the Bronx and the Bird, Bird Cage ruled the box office. And One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men topped the charts, and ABC oh. aired the Roseanne episodes, Disney World War II, and Springtime for David. Matt, you must have seen Disney World War II and or Springtime for David before today. Oh, I certainly have. Uh, I I recall seeing them in real time. Oh man! So uh, you you were a Roseanne the, household. We were a Roseanne household. Okay. Although I'm and I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit. I feel like uh, in by by this point, peak Roseanne had kind of passed. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. But 
Roseanne plus Disney World, you can bet the Fishers were front and center with a bowl of popcorn. Yeah, so this is also the second of my promised series of Disney World sitcom episodes. I did um, the Full House two-parter with Kirk D'Amato earlier this year. Yes. Uh, so I will ask you, as I asked him, why Disney? And also specifically, why Disney World? Because it is, there's a difference there. Right. And you know what, I, I, my experience is I feel I'm much more entranced by Disney World than Disney generally. Yeah. Um, although they have, you know, they have some, obviously, I have kids, I have an eight-year-old, a three-year-old son. So between my childhood and theirs, uh, I'm steeped in all things Disney. But uh, ever since I was a kid, I've been this like I've been a Disney World person to this to this day. I find the place kind of fascinating. I've been many many times, um, you know. Even as my you know politics have changed and my uh, opinion about pop culture and what uh, what the Disney behemoth has done to it has uh, you know <laughs> soured over the years. Buying everything <laughs> in sight. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I'm a. Jeez. I. If you if you've signed up for Disney Plus. Yeah. I, yeah. Before this point. There's some. It's called like the Founders Circle, yep. or the. It's like and proud member of the Founders Circle. Jeez. I wrote an article about it. I was at D23 when they launched this, and I interviewed people that were signing up for three year subscriptions to ask them why for work. <laughs> and then because you know, I was doing that, I got. I also signed up, so I also have one. Heck yeah! So this is this should really be a closed meeting of Circle members. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, you know, while you were doing that, I was at Disney World. Uh, I, I, I read your, your tweets and your updates from that, uh, D23 from, uh, the place itself. That was wild. I've never been, to, of course, I've never been to a D23 before. Like I, I didn't even really know what to expect from it. And so, uh, sitting in the Disney plus panel and then the Disney studios panel and just like every single, um, what's higher than a list. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. It was like, it's like, I oh, was in the same room as like Angelina Jolie and Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer and the rock. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is why, but they're also like the room is so big. They were literally, um, they were a millimeter tall. So I was right, basically just watching sure. them on a TV. <laughs> um, but then at D twenty three, I mean, that's sort of to you know, in terms of what we're talking about, at D twenty three, if you want to enjoy the full D twenty three experience, you need to have some enthusiasm for Disney cosplay and Disney oh, yeah. movies and Angelina Jolie and they, oh. they bring out Dick Van Dyke. Like, I see. Really, I wish you, I had seen that. Oh, that would have been amazing. I just realized a really cool Disney cosplay would be if you went to D23 dressed up as the Tanners from the Full House two-parter. Oh, man, that That's would be... Deep cut. <laughs> that would be great. I wouldn't say... Not this episode, because... Um, but, um... So, yeah, so you loved Roseanne. You also loved Disney. And yeah. let's, um... Let's jump into it. This week on Must Have Seen TV, we're talking about the Roseanne episodes, Disney World War II, and Springtime for David. They're the 18th and 19th episodes of Season 8. Disney World War II was written by Alan Stephen Blasband and directed by Gail Mancuso. Springtime for David was written by Garland Testa and David Forbes and directed by Mark K. Samuels. I'm almost done. Oh my God, so much information. <laughs> Here's how Prime Video describes the episodes. Hold on. Magic, wonder, and whimsy surround the Connor family on their tour of Disney World. The only person not amused is Darlene until she meets Winnie the Pooh. And then the other episode... David moves out when he gets a job at a strange local theme park. Soon, David is transformed into Hans the Hare, a hyperactive perky park employee. Roseanne steps into action in order to get the real David back. Matt Fisher, how accurate are those descriptions? 
Uh, they are dead on. And then the the episode previous too, where they decide to go to Disney World, yeah. they spent they spend a whole episode just getting to the end of the plane flight. Yeah, so like I chose these two because I wanted to do two parters for all the Disney World because all the Disney episodes are usually two parters, but the Roseanne two parter, the first half is boring. Like there's no Disney in it. There's no Disney, and and you know they sort of litigate how you're going to get the Connors to Disney World, like why they would want to be there, where they would get the money, who would object, and all this yeah. stuff. Like I don't know, the you can sort of it's sort of palpable that the people making the show are like, this is a weird fit. We are maybe doing this at gunpoint. Here are all our here, here's everything that makes us uncomfortable about it. Yeah, and then they have. They have a once they get that out of the way, they do their episode in Florida. And then that, that also the entire episode we'll get to it in this hot sack is a giant middle finger oh, <laughs> to God. Disney and ABC. And then the episode after that, which we'll also be talking in depth, is another middle finger raised oh. at Disney and ABC. Completely bananas. I, I, it's I don't know, like of you know, I see, we'll we'll talk about it. I'm sure, but to me, it's sort of uncanny to see these shows go to Disney World. I completely understand why ABC wanted to do it, and you know, like obviously, you got to have that synergy going. But to see, especially the Connors in that context, is like, oh, it's 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 electric. It's electric. Right. <laughs> so does the episode? So does the plane episode? Because I didn't rewatch it for this. Um, does it also include them winning? like the lottery or getting Dan's last paycheck or is that that at the beginning of the episode before that? No, the, the plane episode begins with Dan, Dan's last day at his office. Okay. And he's packing up his office. And then after the credits, he realizes that they've paid out, they've, they've paid out his pension check or he has a little bit more money than he thought. And they sort of debate paying off, uh, paying off their bills or going to Paris and they land on Disney world. Okay, cool. So that makes, at first I thought that it was like a cliffhanger from the week before, so we were looking at like a full four-episode arc of, you know, <laughs> get the pension, fly to Disney, do Disney, and then tear Disney to shreds with a weird Nazi Scientology allegory. So strange. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, it took them three episodes. I feel like uh, it, they would only be shooting themselves with their foot in the foot if they they dragged it down anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's a feature-length experience. So Disney World War Two is... Uh, so, also, throughout the episode, I'm going to do these for all the Disney uh, must-have-seen-TV episodes. I do have a select um, Disney World questions that I, as a novice, have that I will be asking you to see if you have any insight to give. Sure. <laughs> so, the episode opens with, basically, I wrote down them bending over backwards to justify them going to Disney World. Because, like, yeah. I think that also, ABC definitely did say, Roseanne, you need to go to Disney World. And the writers were literally like... That makes no sense. Our characters are poor and also like nihilists in a way. Yeah, exactly. What is a wild is everything that comes through their lives. Yeah, like Home Improvement never did a Disney World episode. You'd think Home Improvement, which at the time was the bigger show, would have been the one. That's actually it's a, that's interesting to point out, isn't it? Because and on the flip side, when you went to Disney World during the height of Home Improvement, they had more Binford Tool gear t-shirts and everything what? like they were so proud of home improvement oh wow i wonder if because they were the biggest show they had more like sway and could be like no but why would you turn it down that's the thing like that's a well yeah for all these other shows it's like it's such an easier fit you know like it's tonally it makes more sense and you know like it seems like the you know the, the stories told in these other sitcoms fit so much better there yeah. like i i don't i don't understand why they would have objected 
So the episode starts with them finally getting to their hotels in Disney, and uh, they're like just freaking out about how nice they are. There are phones in the bathroom, and like, <laughs> I mean, are there normally phones in bathrooms at Disney hotels? I mean, I guess they're staying at a very they're staying at a very swanky one. Like they really are spending all their money. Well, it's actually very interesting. the The hotel they're staying in, not even the establishing shot of the outside of the hotel, is actually a Disney hotel. Oh, it's meant to evoke, I think, the contemporary hotel, which you may recognize from pictures as this sort of like modernist uh, A-frame hotel with the big atrium in the middle, and the monorail goes through, and the they show this picture of the hotel they're in, and it kind of looks like that, but it's not it. And then the ho- the room and nothing in that section really pays off any Disney stuff. It's like mini bar jokes and yeah. you know, room service jokes and things like that. And it's it also, seems like to me it seems like they're stalling. They're yeah, like, it's, well, it's a full eight sh-. minutes. Yeah. So the so first <laughs> we there's ten minutes inside Disney World and the rest has to be something else. Yeah. So the the first question I have number one is did uh, Disney World used to be Orange Groves because Jackie. While holding, I'm assuming, her son Andy, who has disappeared for the revival. Um, (laughs) She's looking out at Disney World, and she has this monologue about, like... I was reading about this. You know, this used to all be orange groves. But that's not what one Mr. Walt Disney saw. (laughs) He saw that lake. He saw that castle. He saw that ample parking with convenient shuttle service. (laughs) And he set out to make that dream. Jackie's saying it, I think, in an adoring way, but I think there's an undercurrent of, like, reading Disney to filth in a way. A little bit, yeah, sort of a subtextual, like, oh, this is a uh, this is the work of a captain of industry. That is actually true, or true in the large sense. Um, the, the Disneyland, I don't want to get this wrong, um, right. but I believe Disneyland at the time in Anaheim was explicitly like an orange an orange grove thing uh disney world was bought the land for disney world was bought uh through shell companies in secret yeah uh, because the the if once people knew that that the disney uh behemoth was looking around central florida i think it would have screwed up their deal but at the time i think it's just swamp i think you'd have you'd have a hard time growing oranges around there but (laughs) So Jackie probably just read some facts on uh, Disneyland and just confused them, which is fine. Yeah. You know, she's uh, or, or the writers uh, under extreme duress were like, look, these are the jokes. We we, we yeah. did the research we did. This, these are the jokes you're getting. Fine. Uh, so, like, basically, like, everyone comes rushing into what I'm assuming is just Roseanne and Dan's room. Yes. Because, like, they're there with the entire cast. I mean, like Martin Mull is the only one that ain't there. Like, <laughs> right. But it's like, it's bet. It's like Roseanne's mom, Bev, the sister, like baby Jerry, because there's like the fourth Connor kid is there. Um, and then both David and Mark. And like, it's a lot. Oh yeah. Actually speaking of strange casting to go back to the previous episode for just one, oh, yes. one moment, it starts with Dan's last day on his job. And this is also during the, um, the Becky, years like um they were alternating actresses for becky and they and in this episode which is strange because most of it's about disney world or about the the fact that they're going to go to disney world when geez who was it i don't want to get them wrong lisey goranson is the original becky and sarah chalk is uh new becky second becky right so this is uh, sarah chalk is so like so during uh 
I wrote an article about this to explain it. Uh, seasons one through four is Lisey, the original. There is no Becky in season five. They wrote her out saying she got married. Right. And then, right. so they need to come, because she was going to Vassar in real life. Then they brought mm. in Sarah Chalk to play her in six and seven. Then they thought they thought season eight was going to be the last season. So like Lisey Gorenson, you know, moved some things around to be in season eight. But when she wasn't available, they brought Sarah Chalk back to play her in those episodes, which is the Disney episode only. Right. <laughs> um, oh, is that is this the only is this the only Sarah Chalk episode from that season? No, there are like two. There are like two or three from season eight. But it is weird that like is she is so are both of them in the one before this? I think it's just Sarah Chalk, but they do not play it cool at all. They <laughs> not only do they does the family she walks into the living room to be like, I heard we're going to Disney World. They all make like you're the other Becky jokes. Yeah. And then like as if it's a theater performance, an announcer comes on and is like, In tonight's performance, Becky will be played by Sarah Chalk. Like wow. and it, it's too crazy. It's, yeah. You can tell, you know, you say that they, they figured this to be the last season. You can tell because they're really like, they're, they're firing, they're, they're firing all the fireworks they've got. Like <laughs> they don't we, we did a black and white episode. We did it. Like we're, we're doing everything. <laughs> so Roseanne distracts all of them because they're just hanging out in her room by opening the door and saying like, look, I, there's Mickey Mouse. And everyone just like runs out to like, see if he's there, which I don't know. I don't think Mickey Mouse doesn't just roam the halls of hotels. Yeah, you wouldn't get that close to a to a room he could be dragged into. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it was just her way of sort of like getting the room yeah. to herself. It's like so. Oh man, it's so 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 crazy. Uh, so then we get the opening credits, which are the insane season eight. Like I wrote down black or white style morphing. Yeah, yeah. Like where they're morphing through all their looks over the seasons, and when it gets to Becky, she turns into Sarah Chalk and then turns back. <laughs> It's too, like, morphing was such a huge thing at the time. Oh, yeah. And, but, like, most of the pictures, they just morph between, like, different haircuts. Yeah, the Roseanne, also, the Roseanne one at the end is also crazy because she's had so many different haircuts by this point. <laughs> and the hair is going from, like, being really long to really short back again. Well, and also the pictures they morph between are of them looking in different directions. Yeah. So, like, 75% of the morph is just, just their eyes floating around to fit <laughs> onto, like, a new head. It's... it's it's uncanny. Nothing nothing says blue collar family sitcom like high special effects <laughs> morphing faces. Um so but, then oh, we anyway, get so like back to Disney World. Oh yeah, then well then we get like a big breakfast scene because they're all eating the like they're getting it catered. They are you know, it's just so Yeah, they all get separate tables in this one in this one hotel it room. It really seems like I don't like where was that was a definitely a hotel set. I'm assuming it well, it could have been in Orlando. I don't know. Oh, I doubt it. It had nothing to do. Like it it, it reflects Disney World in no way. That feels yeah, yeah. very much like a like a zero research uh, generic hotel room. But like they set up all these tables in the bedroom. That's <laughs> weird. So um <laughs> my second big Disney World question, because this is now the next scene. Does Disney do this weird rope opening ceremony thing to let people in every day? Because the next scene we see is all the Connors at the front of a huge crowd of people and like they're waiting for their rope to be undone so they can just charge into Disney. Is yes, that real? This is very much a thing. Oh, wow. uh, I was involved in one of these just a few months ago or I guess a month ago to get to the new Star Wars land oh at God. uh at uh, the studios but yeah so you'll be able to even slightly before opening or at the, uh, the announced opening time you'll be allowed through the front gates 
but stopped at a certain point mm. inside the park. Um, and there'll be a rope in front of you. And it used to be everybody just wanted to go to Space Mountain. So there would be like a lot of security there. Now it's a little bit more spread out. But you'll be at a rope and then Mickey will come out or will pop out of like a window in the in the castle. Or they'll do a little <laughs> show in front of the castle and fire off some fireworks and oh, be wow. like, all right. Now it's actually happening. That's a huge production. And is that is that at the same time as like 9 a.m. every morning or do they like vary it? Oh, it varies every day. There's so much strategy to to be had. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's it. it uh, I, I consider myself privately. I don't really talk about this, but I consider myself sort of the Alan Grant of oh. Disney World. Like if, if I I've internalized enough information about how that place operates and is laid out that like I could sort of feel my way around by instinct. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, there's different, there's different opening times depending on the the season. And then also now there are four, four theme parks there and two water parks and all this stuff. And they all, they sort of like one will be open earlier and others will be open later. And then there's also, uh, extra magic hours where, uh, People staying at Disney hotels will get an hour. We'll get to enter the park an hour before everybody else. Oh, that's nice. There's uh seems like there's... a like Comic Con in a way. They have they, have, they do that shit there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's also it makes it sort of tiered. I mean, that's yeah. sort of and there's also the Fast Pass system whereby you can sort of make reservations for uh, rides rather than standing in line. And it becomes it's you feel very keenly everything that happens at Disney World that takes away from the sort of egalitarian. <laughs> aspect of it anything that puts people into tears oh yeah it's like a, it's like a sort of a weird frustration in this magical place oh uh, so yeah and the connors would not be up for that and they're not I mean, they're mostly not up for it in this episode um <laughs> so they, they roseanne says they're going to be there for four days um which seems like a decent amount of time oh yeah at okay. the time it was three parks you had the magic kingdom you had epcot and they had just recently within geez probably a year or a couple of years at least uh, opened the studios, the mm. Disney GM studios as it was known at the time. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. four, four days would have been a handsome, handsome and, amount of time. And uh, so then they start running into the theme park while it's like slow motion. And then why you wish upon a star is playing or when you wish upon a star. Okay. We're going to be here for four days. So remember, we don't have to get out there and see everything at once. Yeah. Let's pace ourselves. Just take real easy. <laughs> What is that's from Pinocchio? It is from Pinocchio, okay, and at the, that's that. Especially at the time, that was like the Disney World song. That was the theme song of the Disney uh, Sunday Night Movie. Oh right. Um, and yeah, that was probably your number one uh, Pavlovian is, uh, Disney response music. Is "Let It Go" that today? Like, what would the equivalent be? That's a good question. Or would it still be uh, "When You Wish Upon a Star"? It might be when you wish upon a star. They'll certainly throw enough frozen stuff at you, but if the place had like a theme song, I bet it would still be the same. Okay, good, good, good. So now we're at um, Disney question number three. Beer in the park, is it only at Epcot? Because literally the only thing that Dan Connor wants to do is drink at Disney World when he's there with his family. His first instinct, <laughs> they say like, there's no there's no beer in the Magic Kingdom, it's only at Epcot. And he starts slow-mo running to Epcot. He's not with his family for the rest of the episode. <laughs> 
It's really true. And and I think they did that. I, to me, that seemed like a writerly trick because when he realizes that and he splits for Epcot, they kind of call back. They they have him run out in slow motion. Yeah. Which I think was their way of excusing or sort of making more tart uh, the, the fact that they had to let everybody run into Disney World. Is um, there beer at Epcot? There was beer at Epcot at the time. And since then, it's expanded to other places, too. It's oh. not to wouldn't be uh, available at like any sort of stand you walked up to, but you can you can score it in all the parks, I believe. Now, it does. Uh, Galaxy's Edge have alcoholic drinks. Yeah, it is wild. A Galaxy's Edge, uh, <laughs> or is it all milk? <laughs> well, that's just the thing. We you can go. They have a very prominent blue milk stand, which also sells green milk, and both blue milk and green milk are available in alcoholic versions. So you can get the blue milk like with tequila in it. Oh yes. It's <laughs> my dream. I was there drinking my blue milk before dawn because on the I was there the the first day it was theoretically open to the public and so we got there um I'm trying to remember it the park opened at 3 a.m. for all of us nuts. Whoa. And as much as we were in the middle of a giant crush of people to get on the ride, we were off the ride like before dawn or like <laughs> as, as the sun was coming up. So I had had like two I, I drank my own blue milk and my son's who wasn't into it. So I had had two blue milks before breakfast that day. Jesus Christ. Non-elks. Non-elks. Oh, man. Um, so but, so the next vignette we get, uh, uh, just bigger note for this episode, there's no plot. None there, whatsoever. No, no it's, and it's not because, like, the other Disney episodes that I've seen, there are plots that and like they they're like thin plots but there's still at least there's usually one overarching like full house as michelle becomes princess of the day she runs away they find her she has to learn about like sharing or something (laughs) this one is just a bunch of different vignettes of them not liking disney like the next one is darlene david and dj are all just like hanging out i wrote down that darlene is dressed up like a new radical <laughs> That's a very good way to put it. Because she's dressed like um the album cover. She's wearing like a um a weird like lime green and yellow like paisley seventies looking shirt and then a one of those like a FedEx delivery person style jackets. <laughs> it's kinda like shiny, had like some stripes on it, it was like a navy. Yeah. Yeah, I love that shit at that age. Um Well it was easy and it was good for her because she was allowed to hate everything the whole time. Like yeah. she was the sort of Especially like in this thing where theoretically Roseanne had to want to be there. It fell to Darlene to be the one who called out everything and didn't like anything and called everybody on their on their nonsense. Just hate everything. So DJ says so this is my fourth uh, uh, Walt Disney World question. DJ says that he just wants to go on the rockets. What is he talking about? (laughs) So, okay. Well, yes, there are rockets. That's one thing that I noticed about this episode is that theoretically you send the show there to like show off the yeah. physical plant of the place or whatever. And it kind of, they really didn't really do that. There it weren't a lot like, of, it seemed like they had maybe 30 minutes to shoot everything. <laughs> right. Right. And they were like, always like narrow. They were like in some tiny roped off area next to like a throng of people. Yeah. Uh, but there are rockets at the at the entrance to Tomorrowland. There are um, the the these. It's just it's the same principle as Dumbo. You just get in a car and go around in a circle. But this is like two stories higher up in the air in okay. a little spaceship that goes around a big giant central spaceship. So it's a little cooler that DJ wants to go do that. I guess 
it is a little cold, but it is obstinate in that teenager way of like, I want to go do something that's clearly uh, only would only be interesting to a four year old. <laughs> so then the next vignette that we get is Dan finally gets to Epcot um, and he gets to spaceship is spaceship Earth, which is what the big round thing is called. That is spaceship. Earth. See, this is how uh, little I know. Contains a ride uh, dedicated to the history of human communication. Ah, great. So, like, Dan goes there, and he asks a tourist if there's if he's in Epcot, if there's beer there. And then she just, like, or she asks, like, what are you guys looking at? And then she just rattles off all right. this Spaceship Earth facts. <laughs> but Dan this does not This like, care. part of the memo from Central was, like, you need to explain at least the appealing parts of one ride. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, that you need to sell us on one ride. So Dan asked this woman, is this the beer line? Oh, no, we're just looking at Spaceship Earth. I mean, look at this. It weighs 16 million pounds, 180 feet in height, and encompasses 2.2 million cubic feet of space. So this isn't the beer line? No. That's, yeah, that's it. It's like, check, network note addressed. <laughs> so then we check in on um, Roseanne and Jackie, who are just wandering around in front of the, the big castle. Right? What is who's, That's Sleeping Beauty's castle? Uh, in Disney went? World, that is Cinderella's castle. Cinderella's castle. Oh wait, there are different castles at each world, or each. Yeah, I believe there. Uh, there's some difference. I'm not sure everybody has a unique one, but yeah, the in Disneyland, we'll put this on the internet and I'll be read to filth. I'm sure Disneyland, I believe, has is Sleeping Beauty's castle. Okay. So Roseanne's walking and she like sees a pigeon. It's like ah, that pigeon's a robot. Oh, that old man's a robot. No, and then pigeon. she calls it. Stop, would you? Now everything here is not a robot, and they haven't called it robot since the fifties. Oh, sorry, animatronic Americans. It's just no one really working to the top of their intelligence. I gotta say, like no. <laughs> <laughs> so then then we get the Roseanne and Jackie scene, which is just them eagerly and aggressively littering so that they can make a poor Disney World employee sweep it up. And you know what? It's funny because I've heard multiple other people tell that as like an anecdote of like, oh, I went to Disney World, but the kids brought me. I don't even find that place that interesting. But you know what? Throw a piece of popcorn on the ground and you wait to see how long some until it takes somebody to pick it up and you'd be you'd be amazed. Oh, so that's my fifth question is are there really sweepers just stationed everywhere to clean things up? Uh yeah, give or take. Uh oh, they yeah. they do they are uh pretty uh uh meticulous about keeping the place clean, although you know, hundreds of thousands of people tromp around it all day. It's uh it's I think a little bit more of a challenge than they, yeah. they made be on the show. But for a long time, and I think even now, no gum is oh. Uh, for sale uh, within the bounds of the property. Oh, yeah, that's smart. In hopes of keeping it off the ground. Um, then the, I don't know, like a Disney concierge or something comes over, and then they just talk about trash cans. Yeah, yeah. For like a solid 30 seconds. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Those that that is also a very real thing. Uh, people in the plaid, they call it taking the plaid, where you become, geez, I'm forgetting the term for those like representatives of the company, but those are like tour guides, uh, guides for VIP experiences, dress like that, and are extra versed in the uh, the history and the, the lore of the place. And they, so they still wear that too, because I think I saw those people at D23. 
Oh yeah, that's that's still very much a thing. It'd be something that they would wear, people cosplay as, and it goes back to the oldest uh, history of the thing. Like there's a, I I have these like old films of uh, when Walt Disney would go on TV and explain things about the rides they were building for Disneyland, and a lot of it is like in conversation with a woman dressed up like that with like a riding crop who's just like sort of like a professional, uh, positive uh, entertaining oh, person. That's fully wild um so next we get There's to a lot of psychology oh. people wonder why i like this place i all other things being equal let me assure you there is plenty going on uh, <laughs> at, yeah. disney, at disney at disney oh fucking wild um so then dad goes he's at epcot he's found uh the england like pavilion the uk pavilion mm-hmm. um and he asks for beer and they ask him what's a yard of beer and he's like what's that and they show him and it's one of those like giant like a yard Yes. Essentially a, a beer. Um, and he says, I've died and gone to England. And I wrote down in my notes, same TBH. Like, <laughs> that's all I want to do is go back. And that's all that's all torn d- straight from the headlines. The Rose and Crown uh, pub and oh. dining room in the in the UK pavilion at Epcot overlooks the the pond there. And uh, you can get those big giant beers oh, to this day. <sighs> When we go back, so they now they then cut to commercial, and then the photo interstitial like get us back. Uh, one is a photo of like the teacups, and then after that dissolves into a duck eating spilled popcorn. Yes. They... <laughs> Which, was that photo <laughs> taken for this episode? Like, that's a weird thing. Oh sure, someone I, you know I, that's I think that's what makes these episodes so interesting is that it's like so working at cross purposes. It's like we're here, we're showing people have fun. Everyone on the show interacts with costume characters over and over and over at great length, but at the same time, like the show itself and the people want to be like, oh, we're above this, like it's all kind of a sham. But they yeah. can't, they can't really do it until the next episode. Oh, they yeah. save their, they save all the real grenades for the following episode. Which, yeah. Um. So then the next question, uh, question number six. We find Darlene, she's sleeping on a bench. She's sleeping on the same bench. She has not moved. Where is she sleeping? Where is that in the park? They were set up um, around um, the, there's a, there's a waterway in back that, uh, that it's the waterfront that goes uh, around Frontierland, which is sort of the old west. Um, they were set up so that behind them you could see Splash Mountain, which oh, okay. is um, And then there's a riverboat that patrols, like a big paddle wheel uh, steamship that yeah. uh, goes back and forth on that water. And then on the other side of the water is Tom Sawyer Island, which is like one of the few kind of places for free, unstructured uh, fun at the park, where you sort of <laughs> like a, it's like a forested uh, running around area. Does that location make sense for the rides that we see DJ and David do, which are the Rockets, The they also ride Dumbo at one point, and they come back from, I'm assuming, the Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, none of those are especially proximate to that. Okay, so they were like really just running all over the place. Oh, very, very, very much so. And it's the, what you're talking about is even worse later when the when the adults end up on a ride. There's no we'll we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get to the. So I'm not like super versed in Roseanne, but I I totally forgot that Mark is a dumb dumb. Oh, a, a total airhead. Yeah. Like he makes Joey look like Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a scene of like Goofy and Becky, who Becky, who we have not seen for this until like she's just not in the last act. So her first vignette in Disney is her getting like talking to Goofy. Um, question number seven: 
do costumed characters accept kisses like the one Becky gives Goofy? I know, like, innocent peck. Yeah, I think they would, although you wouldn't just have one wander by while you're standing in front of the rivers of America. Like, they're, they're either hightailing it from one place or another where you could, like, maybe give them a high five, or, you know, yell, hey, Goofy, how's it going? Yeah. Or they're parked in very specific guarded places where, you know, they can escape and there can be a queue that forms for people who want pictures and stuff. This thing where you just sort of wander around and work out your personal psychology uh, by talking to these people, is that that doesn't really go on. Yeah, and then so Mark comes up, and he's immediately jealous about Goofy, and Mark is also wearing a Davy Crockett hat. Sure, which sure, just, sure. just adds to the more juvenile. That's the only thing you can do within 500 feet of the of that area of the park they were standing in is buy a, buy a fake rifle and a, a raccoon hat. Oh, wow, I didn't, okay. That's a, that's a frontier thing. Uh, throws back to Davy Crockett, who was huge when they opened Disneyland. Oh, right, yeah. So then Dopey comes by, and then Mark also makes a, like, back off. Um, so yeah, I forgot to ask, like, would Dopey and Goofy be walking around in that area? Ever? No, no, no. Oh yeah. Dopey's got no business in, in frontier land at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and even Goofy too. Like if he were there, he would be there. I, I don't know that there even exists a Goofy dressed in frontier garb. Yeah. But yeah, like standard, standard model Goofy's not going out there either. Oh man, they should have like a Disney Bizarro day where like Dopey's out there dressed up like Davy Crockett and. Oh, that'd be great. Like, get the variants. I think it might have been for D23, or maybe something more recent, but they, uh, somewhere publicly, Goofy and Donald appeared in their Kingdom Hearts uh, outfits. And that was very, very exciting to the Disney internet community. So next up, we uh, we cut back to Dan in Epcot, and we get the... Arabian Nights marching band, basically. This is, like, a, very, this is a real rough patch. This yeah. is probably the darkest, the darkest passage as far as I was concerned. So Dan is, I guess, drunk. And is that where is he? Like Little Morocco, Little Arabia? Like what? Is, or is that what is? So yeah, they as they kind of they sold the whole Disney thing on that it's like a this the 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 country pavilions, which is yeah. half of Epcot. The front half of Epcot is called Future World, where there's rides theoretically about human endeavors and technology and stuff like that, and the back of Epcot is a, a sort of like a permanent uh, kind of like she's like a bazaar of nations where arrayed around this lake are pavilions representing nations from around the world. And uh, uh, one of them has always been Morocco, Okay, uh, which over the course of Disney's history and even today is kind of like spicy, I would say, you know, it's like a, so socially is a test for a lot of Disney uh, guests. Yeah. Uh, sort of a Rorschach. Test, uh, oh God. I feel that. Um, and the way it's depicted there is insane, crazy, because Dan is like sitting on a fountain and <laughs> like there would be music at the place. There would be musicians, but they would be like exalted a little bit. They would be like, these are musicians and they dress up and they would have microphones. And they would yeah. do like a little bit. They wouldn't uh, just wander around. No, no, no. I believe the the music, uh, the, the band that played at Morocco for a long time, at least, was called Moroccan. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, nice. But it wouldn't just sort of be like three extras from Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of wandering yeah. by. Flute this, is a, this is a weird thing because this also happens in the Full House episode where they're in Epcot at the, I think, the German area. Sure. And an Oompa band just like walks up and starts playing out of nowhere. <laughs> so this is a thing. <laughs> Yeah, it, <laughs> again, well, it's, and you know, it, it would be one thing if it would be like, you know what, we really want, we don't have a long time, we want to express to people 
the magic of being at Disney World. So perhaps we're going to give people a little bit more access they would have. The entertainment will be a little bit more intense than it would be. But it's all just sort of flip. Dan's just sitting there half drunk, and, and these guys wander by and kind of like sidle up to him, almost like they want tips or something. Yeah. It's like real crazy. And then he requests a song. He's also wearing a fez. Sure, sure, sure. And then he's, he's like, do you know this song? And then he does some, what I wrote down as racist wailing and clicking. Yes. And then the joke and- is they know the song. They start playing it. Oh my gosh! Could you even imagine? <laughs> yeah, boy. Um, so the next scene we see is of DJ and David riding Dumbo while Darlene watches, and she has a good joke. My brother and my boyfriend on the Dumbo ride, and me without a camera to throw at them. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a, 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 a typical Darlene sentiment. That's episodes. what got her the Emmy noms. Um, then we get <laughs> what comes to my eighth question, because uh, Darlene meets Winnie the Pooh, and then yeah. after a like heart to heart. Whatever, like Pooh, I wrote down, can Pooh groom you? Doesn't he like rub her hair or something? Or I can't remember what he does. Yeah. He that's, does some touching. Like that in itself is not that crazy. They'll bust your hair. They'll pull off your hat. Uh, I have a memory from my childhood, which I think has been not implanted, but just sort of like a false memory that's grown over the year of seeing uh, Captain Hook throw a kid into a garbage can. I don't <laughs> think that happened. The- <laughs> but to me, it's real. Um, the weirdest one I ever saw was uh, my wife and I, my then uh, girlfriend and I were at one of the water parks and Goofy in an old fashioned uh, bathing suit, like a striped oh, yeah. uh, English countryside bathing suit, got up on one of the rocks next to the wave pool and started taunting the audience, as, like the, the people in the wave pool, as if he was going to jump in. And the whole time I was like, you know what? I know a little bit about drama. You can't do that. You can't stand up there and pretend like you're going to jump in and then not do it. And then by God, he did. What? Uh, I know. Um, and marched right back out while we cheered. But um, <laughs> That's so, a daredevil performer because that's a heavy, furry costume. Oh, yeah. that That's a hazard pay. Uh, you'd need to reward a guy for doing that. Yeah. But um, but the, So that's not that crazy. But the idea that Winnie the Pooh and you would just like stand there and kind of just like have essentially a conversation you don't really get that kind of access yeah darlene just unloads on him like you're the first book i ever read i've always loved you and then she hugs him and it's really like it's really sweet but it's also like again that would never happen i don't (laughs) (laughs) well it's sweet but it also cuts against like her character kind of and like the whole that was a network note of like darlene has got to turn at some point (laughs) right somebody has got to like someone I guess it's also the closest semblance to a plot or like a any arc in this episode. Yeah, so she's one over. Yeah. Um, so then we get a weird little scene with uh, Grandma Bev, Estelle Parsons, and then the babies because they had to explain where the two babies, Andy and Jerry, are. Um, and she got the Mickey Mouse hats because that's what you do with babies on these shows. Certainly. Then she starts singing and kids just flock around her like she's putting on a show. <laughs> This was, and to me, this was one of the most organic parts of like, I could see her doing that. I could kind of, you know, like it all kind of as a rough sketch kind of hung together. Um, but they think she's entertainment and she gets enough in, uh, 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 interest from the people around her that she continues singing and she becomes like sort of like a little entertainer. I thought that yeah. was like relative to everything else that happens. I thought that was a, a re- kind of a sweet moment. Yeah, Disney would be happy about that. <laughs> okay so when the notes came back they're like okay what was good we yes. like leave in all the bev stuff that's yeah. great that 30 seconds um then we get another scene dan is now in germany in epcot he makes a sergeant schultz joke shout out to hogan's heroes 
which I will cover on this podcast at some point because that show is a situation. A lot going on there, too. Uh, In front of and behind the camera. Right. (laughs) Um, And then Dan and Roseanne have like a do like a little like rendezvous spy like sketch thing where she's playing like a French person standing behind like and they're like flirting and at this point is where I wrote there is no plot not even a thin plot (laughs) no yeah not at all not at all and I guess that they hook up so they can then do the next thing which is my ninth question what's up with Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and what's up with Big Thunder Mountain Railroad now because then we just get an extended scene of Jackie Dan and Roseanne just riding that ride yeah, it can't happen. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is in Frontierland. You could basically see it from where the kids were parked in the Magic Kingdom. Oh. And Dan and Roseanne have they're in the World Showcase section of Epcot. They would have it's it would have been a, a forty five minute process to get oh, to wow. Big Thunder Mountain and back. Jeez. And so is that ride still around? Is that a big ride oh, yeah. still? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's sort of it's it's a it's a big ride in the kind of way of Disney World where they don't want to make you throw up. Yeah. So like it's a it's not a it's kind of not on the Richter scale of of roller coasters, but it's like a very charming, uh, some somewhat exciting for kids. Kids love it. My kids love it anyway. <laughs> you're, you're in a mine train. All the lift hills go through like oh, there's an earthquake happening in this cave, or you're being menaced by bats, and then you zoom around what sort of looks like Monument Valley kind See, of. See, I want to do that. That sounds fun to me now. Um, so then we get the last like little closing like little montage of uh, Darlene gives Pooh her contact info. Um, Mark pulls Becky close when Goofy arrives. Bev says that Mickey should consider dramas. Roseanne and Dan kiss with fireworks going off. It's like the maybe the most positive thing of the entire episode. Sure. I guess. Um, so, like, it's... if Would this make you want to go to Disney World in 1996? I guess, like, kids watching it wouldn't really catch the fact that they were kind of making fun of it the entire time. Right. Yeah, they would. You would see the ride. You'd see the characters. Like, oh, I could talk to Winnie the Pooh, and he would like sort of become my friend. I feel like that's that. That's sort of a selling. selling yeah. Point. So I guess like they didn't get the full like Full House and Step by Step like really went all in on just like the magic of it, and Roseanne was just kind of like, we're going to talk about the trash cans and the <laughs> <Right>. beer. <laughs> right. And if if you must, we'll end on fireworks. Yeah. We'll end at to. The Epcot uh, fireworks show was called Illuminations. Um, and uh, actually, you know what? It closed uh, not long after this. But it was like a laser show with like, uh, as you see, fireworks. Although they don't make it seem maybe drone footage and high def technology and photography have come a long way. But watching it, it didn't look like a like a fireworks show. That what fireworks be... show were they? Were they at the Epcot fireworks show? They were at the Epcot fireworks show, oh. yeah. Where you would like each little pavilion would light up briefly, and they would play some like the most famous like classical music from your thing, while lasers shot all around and fireworks go off on barges. Man, it's really spared no expense. Like it's wild. <laughs> um, so now we're at springtime for David, which itself just a, like it, it's right there in the title is a parody of Springtime for Hitler, which is the fake musical from the producers. <laughs> They are like, swinging for the fences. Yeah, so so the, I think the deal with this was, so they do the Disney episode, the Disney two-parter, and then they take a week off. So then two weeks later, they come back with this episode. And it's it, it this episode is set a week after they get back from Disney because it's mentioned in the episode. 
And yeah, the they, gist... they very, very specifically like we went to Disney World and the business we're talking about now is not Disney World. I feel like they had to say that at least once. Yeah. And so the whole gist of the episode is basically David gets recruited into a theme park cult <laughs> and then they have to get him out of it. So uh, so basically David comes in and he's like, I got a job. I'm going to work weekends. They're going to provide meals and housing. This is my 10th Disney question. Does Disney provide meals and housing to any of its employees at the park? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a college program where like, um, as I don't know, for credit, I don't know quite what you could do. They have some of the employees there are on kind of like a college work program that does have dorms and things like that. Um, or did at least, uh, last time, uh, I checked, I, you'll be glad to know. I don't keep very close tabs on the young employees of Disney world, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's not, that's not, it's sort somewhat true. It's, it's, uh, not, not entirely alien. Well, um, I, so like as someone that's like super versed in just like the general question, the like generalities of Disney World and the machinations behind the scenes, if you were to watch Springtime for David in a vacuum, like disconnected from knowing they just gone to Disney World, would you still be able to pick out, oh, this is a Disney riff? Not the only thing, the thing that makes it specific to Disney for me is that they, they're so, they go after the kind of Disney mindset mm. that like, oh, Disney employees need to be studiously positive and you know, they need to like know all the history and there's like a very close code of conduct and you can't have a mustache and all that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so to me, that was kind of like the satiric target or like what they hope to take down about, you know, the Disney aesthetic. Um, but other than that, like, no, it's just, it's like a weird, it's like a Schlitterbahn kind of place. It's like a Germany. It's like a German. It's called Idelweiss gardens, um, (laughs) which DJ is super excited about because someone was crushed in a ride there a couple weeks ago or something. Um, (laughs) they have like spinning beer steins or something. Yeah. Uh, and also, so like when D when David like says, or DJ, someone says like, you're going to be wearing, you get to wear shorts and knee socks. You won't look like too much of a femme. <laughs> oh yeah, the, it was that. That really rang out to me. The old femme insult. Whenever I run across that on old Mystery Science Theater three thousands, that always like, like oh yeah, that was kind of like that, that didn't slide as an insult for yeah, a while. Yeah, that's yeah, that was like, jeez, that's. I wrote down, yikes, DJ. <laughs> so they help him move in. He moves into basically a dorm room cell block like cinder block kind of gig. It's very. You know, they, yeah. they comment about how, like, there are no windows. You will not even know what time of day it is. <laughs> they meet his roommate, Doug, who is horrifically cheery. And they, uh, oh, but then after they meet Doug real quick, they, they see a, a painting on the wall, a photo of the founder um, of, of Idlewise Gardens. And they say that he was frozen after he died. So here's my 11th question. Was Walt Disney actually frozen or how much of an urban legend is that? I think that is fully an urban legend. I know I now sound like part of the establishment, but my, you know, uh, he was, you know, Walt Disney came up with the idea for Epcot, especially in his later years. He was, you know, sort of very taken with futurism and things like that. And I think that's sort of the basis for that thing. Also, his unbelievable wealth and, uh, you know, cultural power uh, needs some sort of uh, the the anxiety caused by that needs some sort of release in his uh, in his story and you know like for a long time it was like underneath the pirates of the caribbean is his frozen crypt or whatever um, his head is frozen head of walt disney etc right That's yeah a pop exactly. culture reference all the time but uh, you know i mean it's one of those things where 
for all the difference it makes in your life, if if living in a world where Walt Disney's head is frozen somewhere <laughs> makes you know enlightens your world, where what's the harm in in believing it? Go for it, yeah, believe it. You know, a dream is your is a wish your heart makes. <laughs> it's really true, um, isn't it? So Jackie then like reads. They have like a schedule on the wall, and Jackie reads it, and then the roommate comes in. And, this is my maybe my my one LOL for the entire two episodes was he comes in and very intimidating, but with a smile where he was. Like, Doug, I was looking at your itinerary there. I gotta you tell you. You really ya. shouldn't read things on the wall in here, Jackie. Which <laughs> <laughs> I thought was just such a silly, intimidating joke. Well, and they and they but they take that note of fascism and they play it so hard. Like, oh yeah. There's these like training, you know, meetings and the whole nine and oh. Well, Roseanne, like they even treat it like Roseanne says, yeah, just make sure you, you know, write us every day and take some just a photo of you holding up a newspaper. Okay, right. Um, this is where so like then we go to the like training area for all of them to learn how to be the mascot Hans the Hare. Um, and this is where I wrote down that it feels actually a lot more like Sea Org than yeah, disney it, and like and this is me like i know i've read a lot about scientology oh man i've <laughs> loved me some scientology documentaries i read going clear like watched all that leah remini show <laughs> <laughs> so like sea org i'm like this is very sea orgy yeah yeah well and theoretically all the people you meet are being trained to be inside the hans costumes yeah but in these meetings they all wear the white shirt and the tie with the tie clip like yes yeah which looks very much like, yeah, like weird cult. So this is my 12th question. Yeah. Which So how hard is it to become an official Walt Disney World Mickey Mouse? Is that like the best gig or like the hardest gig to get? I mean, I feel like it's... it. I don't know a lot about that, the, the hiring and firing part of that. But I will say <laughs> that it's hard. It must be hard in just in that there are very few of them. Um, like by design, they make it very difficult. Like if you see Mickey, you're, you're not going to see two Mickeys. Yeah. Which is to me, it was very weird that at the end of the episode, there's just like 60 of these Hans. Oh yeah. Here. That is my 13th question. <laughs> my 13th question is because at the end, like all of like the entire room is now, they've all graduated to Hans and like, cool, we're getting ready to go into the park. And it's just like, how many Mickeys would be in a park at once? Yeah. Like what effect are you trying to create? I would say, and maybe, and this is a, a supposition, but a reasonable one, I think. I think it would actually be much more difficult to become a face character. Right, yeah. Because, of course, not all the people there are inside these costumes. You have your princesses. You have your, you know, your Peter Pan. Your Star-Lords um, now. Your Star-Lords. And, and so you need to have the full affect. Like, yeah. you need to be able to converse fully as this person, which I feel like, it, even if we're just cynically because we're talking about Roseanne if even if you just think of it from like a liability standpoint the power of those people they have uh, over the company while they're standing out in the theme park talking to the young kids yeah is uh, that's a lot more responsibility than did just you people. ever get the bug to maybe do that to use some of your improv skills to go uh, be a who who what Disney what Disney character would you want to be a face character for in the park and who oh, do you think that you could actually get hired for I guess jeez that's a good question I mean just hair-wise, I'd have to be like a Gaston, I yeah. feel like. But I don't have the build. I, you know, maybe it's maybe it's me in the Disney tales. Maybe I don't see myself there. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a prince. I'm a prince type. There's a lot more of the face characters. I feel like three quarters of them have to be women, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, what am I? I'm a Prince Eric. I don't think so. I got to shave. There's nobody with a beard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would be much better. I need to be, I need to have the head on that, well, I guess that way. You know, you can also rope can in some Marvel country. and star Wars people too. I'm trying to think if there's any in that, but you can maybe oh, do it. You could be... do an Iron Man. Yeah. I was going to say, I could shave the beard into a better shape and do a little Tony Stark action. That would be, that would actually be a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, go for that next summer. Get the transition lenses. I would do it. Yeah. (laughs) Hire him. Um, (laughs) There's a really funny joke when they're like talking about Hans the Hare. One of the like drone, or maybe maybe the person that's trained them says like, (laughs) but remember, Hans is not purely a comedian like a Stan Laurel or a Sinbad. And the way he says Sinbad, I thought was also pretty funny. This episode, because it has a little more of a plot, actually has jokes in it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the, even you could tell that they were like they wrote this one on purpose. As soon as at the beginning of this episode they're back in the living room, you're like, oh, even for season eight, this feels much more like the normal Roseanne project. Yeah. They also were learning a lot more about like the really specific things that Hansa Harris would do, like moving clockwise or like how high he hops off the ground. And I'm assuming that those characters do have to learn, like you know, Donald Duck doesn't take this many steps; he takes you know this step or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Or, or I'll just, I think that they, it's a very choreographed, so they would have certain moves or gestures, you know, specific to each of them. Yeah. There's also a really funny line, um, a sitting bunny is an invitation to mayhem. Oh, yeah. They really, they really wanted you to wonder. They wanted you to, they they brought up all the problematic stuff, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like later when David shows up brainwashed, um, He's wearing his tie, and then Roseanne, like, she says, like, she wants to take the tie so that she can shoot up. <laughs> That's a joke in this episode. <laughs> Give me that tie. I want to shoot up with it. Yeah. What in the hell? <laughs> they, were... <laughs> like... they were every every line they say is like begging for the blackout. They they want they are at eleven from, from oh, the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the tech is like, nope, these are all cheap outs. Uh, you're gonna earn <laughs> the actual out for this show. Keep going. Uh so like uh what was the oh so she didn't like your brainwash is like, no, because the it actually says this is not a brainwashing camp on the brochure. <laughs> like they're really like ha- like hitting it up. So when he goes back, he's now Hans the hair. Then Roseanne comes in to like find David and get him out because everyone's now wearing the mask and she tries to find him. And there's a whole lot of like, there's a whole lot of like finger pointing, which also feels kind of culty or concentration camp. I don't know. There's a whole like, like who wants to die? And they're all pointing at themselves or other people. Oh, yeah. Well, and I don't know. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Now going back, one of the things that is true of Disney etiquette is that Disney employees don't point with one finger. Oh. Yeah, they point with they point in with you know multiple fingers or with a whole hand. That's a that's a little uh, watch for that next time you're down there. Oh wow, that's weird. That also has to look strange, or I guess I don't know. It's a, you notice it while it's happening. I'll say that. Yeah, it's very weird. So also, <laughs> there's a weird. There's also a direct line where it's like this place wants to be Disney World, but it's just some creepy fascist copy. <laughs> That again felt like a way of saying like you need to put some air between this and Disney World. Uh, like we'll, right, yeah. we'll let you do this weird episode, but <laughs> yeah, this thing like this this episode had to go all the way up to like someone that knew it was going on. Um, oh yeah. So then like the episode ends like so. Roseanne does a lot of like dragging. Basically, she's dragging uh, Idol Vice Gardens parking and food. But because of the metaphor, it really feels like Roseanne Barr is saying that Disney has bad food and the parking is bad. Yep. 
Um, she tries to decondition David by like tying him to a chair and you know screaming like we don't whistle while we work and all that stuff. Like it's <laughs> mediocre point, food well, and fun at best. Like really like laying into it at the very end. To me, it felt like shooting themselves in the foot. Like if you don't want to do the Disney episode, I get it. Yeah. But then having done it, if you feel like you've earned some party time, then do the episode where the house burns down, you know, or do something like do what's even more your thing. Yeah. Make everyone go goth or something. But like <laughs> to just spend more time on Disney World, like I, people didn't tune into Roseanne to see Disney World get taken down. I don't think. No, especially because this is essentially the third straight episode. And with that week off, they've now spent a month in like just <laughs> Disney di- and like. I guess, and also, I would like to get in the head or like do an oral history about this one episode because I want to know, like, were they like, oh, oh, you want us to go to Disney World? Cool. We're, we're going to stay. We're going to do even more episodes, and they're going to be meaner. <laughs> like, it's just really like, oh, you want to eat all the cake? Then eat all the right. cake. Like, right. Well, and, you know, and I will say, and, I, and you know, like I say, the, the politics of Disney and Disney World are, are not necessarily mine, but... I, you know, I know I've come to be friends with current and former Disney employees, employees of other theme parks down there. And I don't know, like, yeah, there are, it is, it does require a certain mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And it does, it does attract people who are like, perhaps can maintain positivity longer than, uh, than your average bear. Well, I mean, even just being at D23 and just being in the midst of those like big panels that are filled with like you know thousands of fans that are there like and I'm there to work and cover it and I'm right, also excited right. for all these shows too but when they are you know on stage announcing like oh god I feel like they announced that they had bought something else or like it's just like oh Marvel Star Wars it's just like oh the, no with yeah, the yeah. Fox when they started showing all the Fox like integration on Disney Plus right, and people right. were cheering for it and part of me is just like Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Like, it this is feel- just like an annual report. This is like business, you know? It, feel- it just also feels icky that, like, people are cheering at the massive corporation reporting back that they've bought another massive corporation and now you can stream The Simpsons. Like, <laughs> right. It just feels it's like, uh, but I'm also like, them. I'm fucking getting it. I'm getting that. And I'm, you know, <laughs> excited that. Maybe the X-Men, like, well, I'm excited, like, the X-Men are going to get a Marvel movie. Like, eh, I've been waiting yeah. for that for 20 years. <laughs> like, Right, right, right. But it's also, like, monopolies are bad. <laughs> very, yeah, very, yeah. very much. You know, it's funny. I know I know people who are friends with, oh, actually, that's a fun Disney World thing. Oh. The, if you ever talk to someone who works at Disney World or has worked in that, that kind of thing, they may say, oh, I'm friends. I know someone who's friends with Captain Hook. And that would mean that they are the person inside. They've worked as Captain Hook. Oh, that's like the lingo they have to use? Yeah, you would never, even nowhere for the rest of your life would you ever say, hey, I, I'm i the I'm the Bell. You would so be like, like, so like I, I'm friends with Bell. Your resume or, would be like, yeah, so I'm friends with Chip, I'm friends with Pooh, and I'm friends yeah. with Donald. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's weird. But and also, I, got, I guess it makes and, sense. Those people, people in that position, I, I, I don't know, having met and befriended and made lifelong friendships with some of those people, I admire their ability to do that. You know, like, I, it's, a, it's a type of performance that I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, there's a little bit like, more Darlene in, uh, Darlene in you. Than, like, <laughs> they've had to really, like, stifle that Darlene. If they ever had a Darlene to begin with, they probably didn't. Yeah, that's true. No. That's true. Are you ready for some must-have facts about these episodes? Please, let's do it.
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the ratings for both of them. So part one, or the first episode we talked about, uh, was watched by 19.6 million people. Oh, imagine that. Imagine that share in today's day and age. My goodness. Yeah. And then, but then the next week, or uh, springtime for Dave, was only watched by sixteen point nine million. Mm. And what I went back and looked at was the sixteen point nine million was more the norm for this season, and the nineteen point six is an outlier. Like them going to Disney actually did help their ratings. Yeah, so, well, it's always a great episode, and actually, for all we talk about it, it hasn't actually been done that many times. Yeah. yeah. TGIF shows did it to a certain extent and then like Modern Family has done it but we're and all in all you're talking about like fewer than 10 episodes of yeah. television. Well, well they're all like most of them are two-parters but it's still like you know seven series maybe um, yeah. I mean we're still I'm doing another one or two at least for this series so uh, so for the rankings for the week uh, World War Dis- Disney World War 2 was 14th for the week the top five shows of that week were Home Improvement Four ER, three Carolina the City, oh, yeah. two Friends, and number one Seinfeld. Love a week where Carolina the City beats out ER. <laughs> That's also probably because it aired between Friends and Seinfeld. I am, I imagine. Oh yeah, that was a it, that was a very kind slot they had. Yeah. Oh, and also people love a cartoonist. What can I, I say? Like, I I Carolina City can stream it on CBS All Access. Still pretty good. Everything I knew about Cats, I knew because of Carolina the City. The animal or the production? The production, because oh. Annie, her neighbor friend, was in Cats, and so that's all I knew. And I did not learn the plot of Cats until that trailer came out. Oh, yeah. And my coworker had to explain to me what Cats was about. And I was like, that is what everyone has been talking about for the last 35 years of my life? Oh, society did a lot of learning when that trailer came out. <laughs> I was like, how are you people, how have you people been talking about Cats like it wasn't insane all this time? <laughs> just like, in ha- like, I feel like if you're just going to haphazardly mention Cats... The fucking, like, monologue songs until you, one of them volunteers to die in a spaceship <laughs> part should be the thing you mentioned. <laughs> that trailer was so, so much. My wife hadn't seen it. And to describe it to her, the, all I could say was, like, this film and this trailer were made by people who really, really like musicals. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. it is pure, unadulterated by story or any connection to society or anything yeah. you know. This is just the Broadway itself. It's like eating the concrete of the street <laughs> of Broadway. Yeah, it's a, it's a little uh, litmus test for how much, how far you want to go. Um, <laughs> so Springtime for David was only ranked 22 for the week. So a little bit lower on the ratings. The top five shows that week were Caroline the City, at five, number four, 2020, three, Home Improvement, two, Friends, and one, Seinfeld. So again, like that NBC Thursday night lineup, dominating. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, ABC's Tuesday night lineup, though, was pretty choice at this time. So Roseanne kicked off the night, followed by Coach. Then uh, we were a Coach household, definitely. We were watching Roseanne just counting the minutes till Coach. <laughs> Roseanne, Coach, Home Improvement, The Drew Carey Show. That's not bad. All of those yeah. sort of have a profile that lasts to this day. I, wa- I, I watched Home Improvement and Drew Carey Show, so I would tune in at 8, well, 8 Central Time, because uh, we were not a Roseanne family. Mm. Should have been a coach family. My family loves college football. Uh, it was great, yeah. Oh, and, and I remember when I went at the time, you could often see the coach people. I was at Disney World once where one of the theaters had like a, a conversation with Jerry Van Dyke. Oh, ooh. And hey, uh, we were do, tempted. tempted. Did he ever do Disney movies like in the sixties and stuff? I mean, like his brother. Oh, that's a good question. When he was yeah. a younger guy, not that not that ever crossed my radar. But how could you not? Because it seems like Jerry Van Dyke is perfect for one of those, you know, Don Knotts level, right? <laughs> like right. slapsticky Disney live action things. Um, the not the um the hour long drama that aired on Tuesday nights was initially NYPD Blue, and then they tried out another cop show called High Incident. From executive producer Steven Spielberg. It oh. lasted two seasons. Steven Spielberg wanted some of that Steven Bochco money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he also, I mean, he got that ER credit, too. Spielberg is on that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um. So the IMDb ratings for these episodes are rough. Um. So <laughs> for this, for Must Have Seen TV, they are very rough. Uh, 144 users rated the first part 6.5 out of 10. Did you say that's uh, higher, lower, right on the money for all of them uh, talking about trash and beer at Disney? I don't know. I mean, 6. just 5? as an as an episode of Roseanne, it's got to be. I think that's high. Like they don't do any of the fun stuff they do. There's sort of the loose dialogue yeah, and the a... like, them making each other laugh. All the stuff that you would go to Roseanne for is sort of like very much like a hangout and like people like the characters feel very lived in and feels yeah. very. Tr- everything this was all very stilted and weird i i think i i don't know if i had to give it a six and a half i would go lower oh yeah i would say 5.8 <laughs> well what it, what it feels like is they were like okay guys we got to go do a disney episode they're making us do this so like let's just go on fucking vacation at disney here's a script we got um how many directors we got so like here's like four camera crews you're all just going to shoot your shit simultaneously we'll be done in an hour Right, right. And then right. we can hang because that's on like none of them are in scenes together. They all are like cordoned off, and even their little like Roseanne Barr and Lori Metcalf have one scene where they stand in one spot, talk to two other people, and throw trash on the ground. They shot that in probably an hour. Oh yeah, oh for sure. If that like the amount of work they did on this is very like it wasn't even like the full house one again. Like they're running from parade to parade to. Like the step-by-step one is flash going to every ride. Like there's a lot more going on in those. This really yeah, does right. feel like we just want to get out. Right. 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 Um, what do they got there? They got characters. They got a roller coaster. Fine. We yeah. wrote it. We're doing it. Done. Now let's just go drink beer in the hotel room. Um, <laughs> so springtime for David though, 150 IMDB users gave that one a five out of 10. Mm. So even worse, you pay, the price. You pay a price to, 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 to... <laughs> Take these cheap shots. Yeah, mess with the mouse. Pay the. <laughs> um, I would give Springtime for David like a seven point one. I would go higher because I think that one actually has jokes in it that made me laugh. And it has like a satiric point of view. It yeah. has like a project. Um, who would you say had the must see performance? Um, of these episodes. <laughs> well, I mean, Sarah Gilbert. 
I think, is given the most to do. Yeah. She has the toughest job because she's got to fall in love with Winnie the Pooh, basically on camera. Yeah. Um, a hard turn. <laughs> like. <laughs> but then also uh, Bev. I think you gotta you have to show some love Bev's way. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll I'll also I will shout out uh, David as well for springtime for David at least you know he's asked to do a bunch of creepy things in there. We lose him and we get him back and they combed his hair down. I remember yeah. when he came back with his tie. He looked very scary. Tamed that beast. Um, must other people see these episodes? <laughs> I was, I mean, not in the sense of like, I mean, you should see it if you're a Roseanne completist, certainly you should see it because it's bizarre TV. I would, I would recommend you watch it just to have something interesting. You're, you're, people are going to spend 22 minutes watching much duller things tonight. (laughs) And, um, but I mean, as art or something, I don't know. (laughs) No, no, they, this is, um, I would want to, I would say this might be. I haven't seen all of the Disney sitcom episodes, but I would put Full House is the best, and then Step by Step is better than this one. Pro- yeah, like this is, it's a weird, but like the behind the scenes vibe of it, of like, if you're thinking of it as them doing a spending, I don't know, how much is the budget for an episode of Roseanne? A couple hundred thousand dollars to give the finger to ABC? Right, right. And then, I mean, especially if you're counting both of these, it's like double that to just be like, fuck you for making us do this. Right. I mean, you're sort of pointing to it. This is like, I don't know, if they really wanted to do it, you know, like Roseanne at Disney World, you could, if you took it seriously, you could kind of like make something interesting of it. But all you got was like, oh, that pigeon's an animatronic, you know, is a robot. Take a very big bite. How do you put Roseanne in Disney World and not dress her up like Snow White? (laughs) Thank you. Like that is, that is the gag you want to get to. Like if they actually were trying, there would have been some sort of like, especially Roseanne, which went bonkers in seasons eight and nine, like they right. like, isn't like the Gilligan's Island episode in season eight or is that a nine? That might've been nine, but the, the black and white, the, like the honeymooners one was right. season eight. I mean, there's a whole like Steven Seagal riff action movie in season nine <laughs> where she fights terrorists on a bullet on like a train from Washington, DC, I guess back to New, to New York, like dressed as like Rambo. It's crazy. Um, they yeah, really uh, watch these episodes if hearing this talk has made you curious, but also, I guess we've also spoiled it, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, any final thoughts about these two Roseanne episodes? Well, you know, I, I guess only to say, you know, my fascination with Disney World, um, the reason I think it's interesting is because kind of like the, the, it's a, Disneyland and Disney World, those kind of theme parks, is like an interesting kind of storytelling. You know, like I'm a writer, I'm a performer. I like it because at the time, like when they were developing Disneyland, they had all these technical experts and these artists who had come together to make these movies. And they had invented technology. You know, they they invented the sync sound cartoon. They invented the 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 multiplane cell animation camera. And they decided, like, what if we took those technical skills and those storytelling skills and we tried to tell a story, like, in space, you know, like, that, that rather than yeah. showing you on a screen that you would experience as a person. And 
I like that. I like it's interesting to me to see how that's done, how it changes over time and the sort of ins and outs of that. But part of that is that what's nice about it is it's like an ego boost. Like unlike any city you're going to go to or any place else, this is a place that was designed to kind of like build you up. You're the protagonist of this place, even in a crowd. Like ah. it's, meant to, it's meant to look nice to you. It's meant to, to cater to your, you know, like your your uh, like you, the food you want, the experiences you want, the, the, the songs and the, the type of things you want to hear. And to me, part of what makes these episodes uncanny is that, like, it kind of it, it kind of spoils it if it's like, oh, no, they're like, no, these stories, it's a place where somebody else's story is happening. Like, you know, Roseanne goes there and they're just surrounded by people who are, like, watching them, you know, or not watching them, but just, like, sort of, like, cordoned off while they Yeah. Are. It's like, no, you're, when you go to Disney World, you're Roseanne. Yeah. If you don't like and you're, you know, the Winslows if you do like it, you know, and it's it's sort of your story. So, like, to me, as interesting as I find Disney World, I also find these these episodes interesting because it's like it's kind of another inversion of that story. Well, it's like for the people that were there while they were taping it, their experience at Disney World is vastly different than what it would have been otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely, definitely so. Oh, that's wild. Uh, well, thank you so much for imparting all this Disney uh, wisdom, and it just always makes me want to go because I've not been since Pocahontas was new. Oh my gosh, uh, there's there's so much we have to show you. Yeah, I, I, Galaxy's Edge is calling uh, to me, and I I wanted to do it when I was at D23, but I was like, my husband needs to be there uh, to see yeah. me when I see the Millennium Falcon for the first time in physical space and have a uh, emotional meltdown, uh, the kind of which I'm actually not I'm not sure how big it's going to be or it's a, it's a real experience. We, when I went, uh, my, my sons were there and my dad was also on this trip with us. And when we, we knew that it was about to open and we're like, yeah, the park opens at 3 AM. And we kept thinking like, if we don't go at 3 AM, we'll be able to see it on a subsequent day or whatever. And I decided, you know what? You only live once. We're going to take the plunge. And my dad, my dad came with us. So it was my oldest son, uh, and me and my dad, the three sort of generations of these star Wars guys. Oh. We see all this together on Christmas. And, uh, it really was, it really was something else. Oh. Like, so when I see that picture of you in front of the millennium Falcon, I'll know that, uh, you're having, you're having quite an experience. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, I, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't even put into words what it will be, uh, feel like, um, <laughs> to see it and also to go into it oh, and to take that picture at the debark table anyway um anyway well yeah thank you so much and where can people find you on the internet to talk about disney and also roseanne oh yeah geez uh, uh mainly i live on twitter at uh, fisher matt with no c and uh yeah and check me out check out videos of the dad the dad scene videos that uh everyone will love and that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest, Matt Fisher, for dropping by and talking about Roseanne with me. Next week, we will start running the Holiday Gauntlet. Specifically, Halloween, because it's October. So next time, I'll be discussing The Simpsons episode, Treehouse of Horror 7. Treehouse of Horror 7 is in Season 8. It is Episode 1 of Season 8 of The Simpsons, and you can stream The Simpsons on Simpsons World or purchase it on iTunes or Amazon, or if you're listening to this, I guess, after November 12th, Disney+. Plus. Until then, I want to hear from all of you. Tweet your questions about sitcoms to at MustHaveSeenTV. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. And that must have seen TV. And if you like what you've heard, please rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White. Read the words that I write 
at Decider.com. The theme song is Apollo Throwdown by the Go Team. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all you for listening and sticking around. And I'll see you next time on Must Have Seen TV. Ooh, it's going to get spooky. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.